Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. A new book with two characters, all set around one day, right? Two women, Ruth and Penn. Ruth is a woman whose marriage is on the verge of breaking up because they've got a real problem with infertility. And Penn is a teenager, an autistic teenager, who's falling in love with her best friend and has no idea how to deal with it. And they meet. They meet at a protest and they spend a full day together. The book is called Ruth and Penn. The author is Emily Pine. Emily, good morning. Good morning. Nice to talk to you. Strains of of Ulysses for the 21st century here. But apart from that, two more different characters you couldn't ask for. Yeah, that's really the exciting thing as a writer, you know, is to bring opposites into connection with each other and to see how they play off each other. And Ruth, as you said, is in her early 40s and really at the point in her marriage of trying to decide, like this is the day, whether she works out if she's going to stay in her marriage or not, which is obviously a huge decision. And Penn's decision She's 16, as you said, and her decision looks kind of smaller in a way because she's working out how to tell her best friend Alice that she has romantic feelings for her. But actually, if you remember when you're 16, that feels huge, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's about these two women kind of navigating and working out what direction they want their lives to go in, you know? Mm. There are a lot of issues in both of the characters, uh, in fertility in particular, an IVF and a miscarriage in Ruth's case. A lot of this is written. Your your first book was as a book of essays about your own personal your own your own personal story. A lot of this is very personal, Emily. Yes, it is. And a lot of these stories, you know, even though, I mean, I wrote about it in Notes to Self and I know, you know, there are other great memoirs as well, but a lot of these stories are still not appearing in fiction or they're appearing with, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of us who have not been able to have children find difficult, which is they appear, but with a happy ending, you know, there's a baby at the end. and. I still wanted to explore the emotional terrain, even though I've, I've moved on with my life. Um, I still wanted to explore the emotional terrain of what do you do with your life when when you don't get the thing that you really wanted, which is, and, and parenthood is a big thing. It's not like, you know, you didn't get a job so you can apply for another one. It's really, it changes your whole life trajectory. And the idea of just picking one day and thinking, okay, right, what does, what's one person's emotional life in that moment? Mm. The point that you made there a second ago is, a, is, is an interesting one. Like that when you, if you pick up a book and it's got a story in it and a character is struggling with, with fertility and IVF and all that, inevitably the book finishes with them being pregnant and maybe even having a beautiful child which sometimes maybe for someone like you for whom that was and correct me if I'm wrong here that was never going to happen that 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 characterization is difficult for someone like you to process 
It is. And I think, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I wrote about it in the memoir and where I'm continuing to do it in fiction. I mean, there's a particular kind of loneliness that comes with infertility because everywhere around you, you know, are people having babies and and I'm happy for them. It's fantastic, but it doesn't, it kind of is also crushing, you know, for the person. And, and so, you know, when I read those memoirs or those novels or short stories as well with babies in them, it's just, it's just hard. It's just that recognition. And so what do you do with that? Like, do you avoid everything? You know, do you cross the road when you see a person with a bump or do you just not read, ignore an entire section of the library or or for me the my response is like okay maybe i'll write my own and i have heard from so many people both men as well as women and who read notes to self who found their own stories reflected and said that they'd never read anything about it because the characterization that it all works out in the end that's not true is it it's not real, you know, and I, I mean, it's the same also for Penn, as you mentioned, Penn is autistic. And so often the kind of representations that you see of the childless woman or the autistic child, and very often in fiction, it's only autistic boys that we see being represented. Yes. We see these characters, but they're on the edges, you know, they're not the kind of stars of their own story. And I really wanted to write, as you know, a, a childless woman as both a difficult and a sympathetic character, you know, someone who we can identify with no matter what our own family status is you can feel for Ruth and you can also feel for her husband Aidan who's a character in the novel too that you know I don't think men's feelings get explored very much around Mm. this subject either Mm. Mm. yeah it's true because I mean even and I say it here myself I've often spoken about infertility in, in on the program invariably it tends to be women that that talk to me I I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to talk to a man who's struggling with his partner with infertility and and I, I don't think I've ever had that opportunity um, by the way if anyone would like to talk to me about it that'd be great I think that would make a great programme you, you know, know really that's, that's actually true and the, 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 what so the infertility the infertility is based on on, on on your own experience that would be Ruth's Ruth's storyline as it were where does Penn come from you you I think do you, do you have dyspraxia yourself did you say at some point I, I am. I'm dyspraxic, which is when I was a kid, it was because uh, obviously I'm in my 40s. So it's before we got kind of better understandings of neurodiversity. But when I was a kid, it was called clumsy child syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the name describes really what how, how it was diagnosed. I was just I bump into things a lot. I'm very poor spatial and um, poor is wrong. I find it challenging to deal with spatial planning and spatial awareness and as I've got older and actually so I grew up with that kind of not very nice label of being clumsy child and uh you know laughed at and stuff which is you know was the way um it was just I guess everyone's way of coping and then um when I was it became a teacher in a university in England and a student came to me and they had a dyspraxic diagnosis and they gave me their form and I'd never heard of dyspraxia and I read it and thought oh that's me and I looked it up and I looked into it and I realized okay that's what that that's a better name now for clumsy child syndrome and this so it's a great way of kind of updating it so yeah I drew on some of my own experience my own understanding of how it makes you different a bit like I didn't know about clumsy child that name clumsy child syndrome but but I yeah. do remember autism once being called, which was a horrible name for it, cold mother syndrome. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, they're, I mean that is a particularly cruel label, yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I think we have better understanding that there's a whole spectrum of diversity, right? Yeah. And whether it's neurodiversity or gender diversity, just thinking about how we can be so much more open. And for me, as a writer, Penn as a character, she's just, it's not about disability for her. It's absolutely about the amazing creativity that she yeah. brings to There's very much a this is me sense to her. Yeah, yeah, there is. And I was really inspired, you know, by other people's work. Um, Jodie O'Neill is a theatre maker and she has an incredible play called What I Don't Know About Autism. And she's she was diagnosed in her late 30s as autistic. And she says herself that like it made sense to her. And it was only because her, she, she saw uh, a child getting diagnosed. So that was what led her to it. Yeah. And her whole life kind of made sense. And she made this extraordinary play called What I Don't Know About Autism. Yeah. And she now has recorded and read the audiobook for Ruth and Penn. So I was really inspired by her work. And then yeah. she's ended up being involved in mine. So it's, I mean, I think there's a community of people who are have something at stake or who are interested um and who want to who want to put more different representations you know on the page and on the stage and into the world and you've chosen two of them for this book ruth and Penn. emily thank you very much emily pine she's a professor of modern drama at university college in dublin that's the day job she was also a writer in residence at the national maternity hospital in another uh, part of her career but there, her new book is called ruth and Penn, all set in one day a new book with two characters all set around one day. Right? Two women. Ruth and Penn. Ruth is a woman whose marriage is on the verge of breaking up because they've got a real problem with infertility. And Penn is a teenager, an autistic teenager, who's falling in love with her best friend and has no idea how to deal with it. And they meet. They meet at a protest and they spend a full day together. The book is called Ruth and Penn. The author is Emily Pine. Emily, good morning. Good morning. Nice to talk to you. Strains of, 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 of Ulysses for the 21st century here. But apart from that, two more different characters you couldn't ask for. Yeah, that's really the exciting thing as a writer, you know, is to bring opposites into connection with each other and to see how they play off each other. And Ruth, as you said, is in her early 40s and really at the point in her marriage of trying to decide, like, this is the day whether she works out if she's going to stay in her marriage or not, which is obviously a huge decision. And Penn's decision... She's 16, as you said, and her decision looks kind of smaller in a way because she's working out how to tell her best friend Alice that she has romantic feelings for her. But actually, if you remember when you were 16, that feels huge, you know? So mm -hmm. it's about these two women kind of navigating and working out what direction they want their lives to go in, you know? Mm. There are a lot of issues in both of the characters, uh, infertility in particular, an IVF and a miscarriage in Ruth's case. A lot of this is written. Your your first book was as a book of essays about your own personal your own your own personal story. A lot of this is very personal, Emily. Yes, it is. And a lot of these stories, you know, even though, I mean, I wrote about it in Notes to Self and I know, you know, there are other great memoirs as well, but a lot of these stories are still not appearing in fiction or they're appearing with, you know, 
one of the things that I think a lot of us who have not been able to have children find difficult, which is they appear, but with a happy ending, you know, there's a baby at the end. And I still wanted to explore the emotional terrain, even though I've I've moved on with my life. um, I still wanted to explore the emotional terrain of what do you do with your life when when you don't get the thing that you really wanted, which is, and, and parenthood is a big thing. It's not like, you know, you didn't get a job so you can apply for another one. It's really, it changes your whole life trajectory. And the idea of just picking one day and thinking, okay, right, what does, what's one person's emotional life in that moment? Mm. The point that you made there a second ago is, a, is, is an interesting one. Like that when you, if you pick up a book and it's got a story in it and a character is struggling with with fertility and IVF and all that, inevitably the book finishes with them being pregnant and maybe even having a beautiful child, which sometimes, maybe for someone like you, for whom that was, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that was never going to happen, that, must, that, that characterization is difficult for someone like you to process. It is. And I think, you know, and this is one of the reasons why I wrote about it in the memoir and where I'm continuing to do it in fiction. I mean, there's a particular kind of loneliness that comes with infertility because everywhere around you, you know, are people having babies and and I'm happy for them. It's fantastic, but it doesn't, it kind of is also crushing, you know, for the person. And, and so, you know, when I read those memoirs or those novels or short stories as well with babies in them, it's just, it's just hard. It's just that recognition. And so what do you do with that? Like, do you avoid everything? You know, do you cross the road when you see a person with a bump or do you just not read, ignore an entire section of the library or or for me the my response is like okay maybe i'll write my own and i have heard from so many people both men as well as women and who read notes to self who found their own stories reflected and said that they'd never read anything about it because the characterization that it all works out in the end that's not true is it it's not real, you know, and I, I mean, it's the same also for Penn, as you mentioned, Penn is autistic. And so often the kind of representations that you see of the childless woman or the autistic child, and very often in fiction, it's only autistic boys that we see being represented. Yes. We see these characters, but they're on the edges, you know, they're not the kind of stars of their own story. And I really wanted to write, as you know, a, a childless woman as both a difficult and a sympathetic character, you know, someone who we can identify with no matter what our own family status is you can feel for Ruth and you can also feel for her husband Aidan who's a character in the novel too that you know I don't think men's feelings get explored very much around Mm. this subject either Mm. Mm. yeah it's true because I mean even and I say it here myself I've often spoken about infertility on the program invariably it tends to be women uh, that that talk to me I, I don't think I've ever had the opportunity to talk to a man who's struggling with his partner with infertility and, and I, I don't think I've ever had that opportunity um, by the way if anyone would like to talk to me about it that'd be great I think that would make a great program you, you know, know really that's, that's actually true and the, 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 what, so the infertility the infertility is based on on, on on your own experience that would be Roots Roots storyline as it were where does Penn come from you, you I think do you, do you have dyspraxia yourself did you say at some point I, I am. I'm dyspraxic, which is when I was a kid, it was because uh, obviously I'm in my 40s. So it's before we got kind of better understandings of neurodiversity. But when I was a kid, it was called clumsy child syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the name describes really what how, how it was diagnosed. I was just I bump into things a lot. I'm very poor spatial and um, poor is wrong. I find it 
challenging to deal with spatial planning and spatial awareness. And as I've got older, and actually, so I grew up with that kind of not very nice label of being clumsy child and, uh, you know, laughed at and stuff, which is, you know, was the way. Um, it was just, I guess, everyone's way of coping. And then um, when I was, I became a teacher in a university in England and a student came to me and they had a dyspraxic diagnosis and they gave me their form and I'd never heard of dyspraxia and I read it and thought oh that's me and I looked it up and I looked into it and I realized oh, okay that's what that that's a better name now for clumsy child syndrome and this the, so it's a great way of kind of updating it so yeah I drew on some of my own experience yeah, my own like, understanding of how it makes you different it's a bit like I didn't know about clumsy child uh, that name clumsy child syndrome but but I I do remember autism once being called, which is a horrible name for it, cold mother syndrome. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean that is a particularly cruel label. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I think we have better understanding that there's a whole spectrum of diversity, right? Yeah. And whether it's neurodiversity or gender diversity, just thinking about how we can be so much more open. And for me, as a writer, Penn as a character, she's just, it's not about disability for her. It's absolutely about the amazing creativity that she yeah. brings. To There's very much a this is me sense to her. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I was really inspired, you know, by other people's work. Um, Jodie O'Neill is a theatre maker and she has an incredible play called What I Don't Know About Autism. And she's she was diagnosed in her late 30s as autistic. And she says herself that like it made sense to her. And it was only because her, she, she saw uh, a child getting diagnosed. So that was what led her to it. Yeah. And her whole life kind of made sense. And she made this extraordinary play called What I Don't Know About Autism. Yeah. And she now has recorded and read the audiobook for Ruth and Penn. So I was really inspired by her work and then yeah. she's ended up being involved in mine. So, it's, I mean, I think there's a community of people who are have something at stake or who are interested um, and who want to who want to put more different representations, you know, on the page and on the stage and into the world. And you've chosen two of them for this book, Ruth and Penn. Emily, thank you very much. Emily Pine, she's a professor of modern drama at University College in Dublin. That's the day job. She was also a writer in residence at the National Maternity Hospital in another uh, part of her career. But her new book is called Ruth and Penn, all set in one day. Courts 96 FM. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.